shepherding and we're winding down but we still have a couple of more letters that we're going to look at a couple of more um, lay shepherds that we're going to 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 see what they have to say to us so this episode we're going to do three little three little letters three little books first second and third john and i'm going to be reading from the new international version starting with first john the first chapter verses five through seven This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Verse 26, same chapter. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. That's a clue. (laughs) Third chapter, verses 7 and 8. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard of, is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, 2 John verses 5 through 7 because it's only one chapter in that little book. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love each other, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. um, Verse 7 now says, I say this because my de- many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, Third John, verse 11. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Okay. So three short little letters that are really best read all together. This letter, once again, it doesn't address a specific congregation. So these, these three letters fall under the term the Catholic letters, meaning universal, because they can apply to anybody of Christ, right? 
So what is John trying to convey to us today? Because this, these letters are very relevant to us today. I think the very first letter, um, verse 26 of the second chapter, he states it. He wants them and us not to be led astray. And we can infer from that statement that there's false teaching that's going about and it's confusing the body of Christ then. And so he gives some comparisons and some contrasts, you know, what righteousness looks like and what it does not look like, you know. And then there's no different, I, I don't think, in what we experience today as far as false teaching right? His first letter reinforces that Jesus is the light. Does that sound familiar to you? Jesus being the light? Because it should, because that comes from the gospel of John that he wrote, where he says Jesus is the light of the world. He then reminds them what they have been taught throughout these letters, in the first letter specifically about who Jesus is and him being the light and walking in the light and not being in darkness. He stresses to them to obey the commandments and that they have been saved through the light, meaning Jesus, and now they have eternal life in Jesus. He then challenges them, which we read, to test the spirit by the spirit, that if anyone is of God, they'll act like God. They will, he's speaking to their behaviors, right? How, How do they behave? Are they walking in the fruit of the spirit? And to me, this recalls, um, brings to my mind what Jesus said in Matthew 7 of the warning against um, false prophets and sheeps and and wolves' clothes. Remember, he says that we will know them by the fruit that they bear. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit and a good fruit cannot bear bad fruit. And he's speaking metaphorically because he's talking about their behaviors, what comes out of their heart comes out of their mouth and the things that they do, their behaviors. And so John, in essence, is restating this, I believe, in this first letter. To me, that's what test the spirit by the spirit means, to see if their behaviors line up with God, if they're righteous or if they're God, you know, godly. In the second letter, he urges the church to love one another. Again, lining up with Jesus in his statement where he's telling his followers in John 13, 35, right? They will know you by your love for each other. In my New Testament class, the um, instructor told us that these three books, they should be read together, but they also should be read as you read the Gospel of John because they complement each other. And now I can see why because of you know referring to Jesus in the first letter here first John as the light and then testing the spirit by the spirit and warning against false prophets it all coincides with what we see in John so I was like oh okay that makes sense I'm learning a little bit (laughs) but can we agree that most of the shepherding letters that we have already studied that they all hit upon the church needing to love one another That seems to be a reoccurring theme. So what does that say about us as believers? Not just them, us. Let's let's go ahead and put us in the mix. What it says to me is that we still have a long way to go. (laughs) That we allow our flesh 
our flesh really to overshadow the Holy Spirit that's in us. And then it leads us to strife and disagreements and splits within the church and within families. The problem isn't that we disagree. We're going to disagree. It's that we haven't learned how to disagree in love. See, when we disagree in love, there are not going to be any wounded egos. There's not going to be any hurt feelings. There are no lines that are going to be drawn in the sand. And it's because when all individuals come, you know, with love at the forefront, none of that's going to happen. If there's something that needs to be addressed, because that's what you're doing in confrontation, something needs to be addressed, you're not going to attack the individual. You're going to bring up the subject matter within, you know, in love because you want to show them perhaps maybe this is a better way of doing things or something that they may have said or done. And everyone can walk away with a better understanding. Now, that doesn't mean that after you bring things to the forefront that everyone is going to walk out still on the same sheet of music. You may have to agree to disagree, but agreeing to disagree in love still has harmony. And once we learn to do that, sisters and brothers, don't you think the world will take note of us as believers? That we'll have more credibility, that we will be demonstrating what citizenship in God's kingdom looks like? I think so. The third letter is is really merely John writing to an individual, asking him to be hospitable for another individual who's coming. So that was really kind of short and sweet. But all of these letters were short and sweet, right? But very relevant to what we're experiencing today. We still have room to grow. James expresses, not James, Jude expresses the need for them to know Jesus and his teaching. That's why he's telling them to stay strong in the faith. Because it's in knowing Jesus, you'll know what he looks like and therefore you'll know what not to look at. You know, what doesn't look right. And then he wants them to really learn to love each other. How can we love each other? How can we learn to love each other for those people in our communities if we cannot show love within our own families? We as believers must first demonstrate Christ-like behavior at home. And when I say at home, I, I mean literally at home, and then I mean metaphorically the home of believers home as our individual households, you know, family members that aren't speaking to one another because we haven't learned how to love unconditionally. And then in the body of believers, churches split because of hurt feelings and disagreements because we've not learned how to disagree in love. We have to learn how to love each other first. This season, the season of caregiving for you or whatever this season you are in, still a season where you really need or we can really learn to love love the person whom you're caring for if you're a caregiver learn to love yourself if you've had problems with self-esteem God loves you learn learn to love your family members maybe kind of difficult but you can still love them maybe liking them maybe that comes a little bit later <laughs> but have you ever thought that God made all the different personalities because he did. If he wanted us to be alike, then he would have created robots. Have you looked at the world around you? God loves variety. (laughs) 
he loves variety. Look at all the different trees, different plants, the different animals, the different flowers, the different um, ethnicities in humanity, all representing Christ in his gloriousness. He created variety, but he didn't create it. It wasn't his intent that this variety or this diversity, you know, split us up. He wants us to learn how to live in harmony. And we can only do that when we put him first and allow his Holy Spirit to have complete control over our hearts. And by the Holy Spirit having complete control of our hearts, then he starts to affect how we think. And then once we start changing how we think and it aligns with God, then it affects our behavior. And then people can see the fruit of the Spirit in us. And we will be that shiny city on a hill that people will want to be a part of because then we will truly be able to display what being children of God or, you know, citizens of his kingdom really look like. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come thanking you for this word. Thank you for allowing it to be a word that resonates in our hearts, that speaks to us, that shows us that we still have some growth to do, that we may not be walking in love in everything that we do, that we may not be fully grounded in who you are so that we will not be easily swayed. Help us, Father, to to know more of you, more of our Savior. Because we don't want anyone to be able to take advantage of us, to make us doubt who you are. But we want to stand firm for you. We want people to know us, know that we are your children by the way we love. So help us to be a people who love. Bless everyone who's listening today and help them to feel your love that you love them unconditionally and that when you look at them, you see them as good. Help them to see themselves as good. Watch over them this day. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. I think I said um, James and I meant, or Jude and I meant to say John in this this episode. Kind of got confused. <laughs> Sorry. But I want you to have a great day and go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.